This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. This evening, we can just do an overview of the things that we've looked at the past several weeks from the book of Isaiah. And of course, Isaiah brings to mind so many of the themes that we consider at Christmas time. Uh, and uh, as we look at this overview tonight, I think we'll encourage your heart that even though things were rapidly deteriorating in Judah, and Isaiah's prophesying, he sees that the end is coming. God's going to judge, the nation's going to fail. Uh, yet there was hope because God's plan was right on schedule. And that encourages us because we really do see our nation deteriorating. Uh, I have been concerned for some time that our Constitution is just being pulled to the point where at some point it's, it's going to tear. It's just, it's just not going to hold. And uh, in the last uh, really hours and the last few uh, weeks, we've seen things that indicate that... Uh, uh, the instability, um, we are ripe for God's judgment, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And yet, Isaiah and, and books like Habakkuk and the other prophets remind us that we can take heart because God protects His own, His plan goes on, He's sovereign. And of course, at this point in the church age, we also believe that very soon a trump's going to sound and God's going to take us home. And so, let's conclude tonight by looking quickly at the structure of Isaiah's prophecy. Uh, we tend to look at prophecies as major prophets, minor prophets, basically because of the amount of content. Well, Isaiah is one of those major prophets. Uh, all the chapters uh, that and what God spoke to Isaiah, and if you're reading through Isaiah, there's so much content that it can just seem like God is just speaking and there's, there's really no structure to what was happening. And I want to change your thinking on that tonight. Of course, we know God does all things right, but what He does in Isaiah is very purposeful, very specific. In fact, we're going to even state it this way, it's the Bible message in miniature. Now, I've put a question mark there because, all right, can we agree on that? Can we take the book of Isaiah and really is Isaiah a snapshot of the scripture as a whole? Well, it really is. It really is. So direct implications for Israel in Isaiah's day, but for us today. While we understand that the chapter and verse divisions in our Bible are not inspired, uh, I do believe that God did work and direct those that gave us those divisions so that we could look at chapters and verses and go there quickly and see what God has said. But it's not inspired. Though that's true, it's no accident that the book of Isaiah falls into two clearly defined sections and closely follows the overall structure of the Bible and its message. For instance, the Bible has 66 books. Isaiah has 66 chapters. The Old Testament has 39 books. The first section of Isaiah has 39 chapters. 
The New Testament has 27 books. The last section of Isaiah has 27 chapters. The Old Testament covers the history and sin of Israel, as does Isaiah chapter 1 through chapter 39. The New Testament describes the person and ministry of Christ, and so does Isaiah 40 through chapter 66. The New Testament begins with the ministry of John the Baptist. The second section of Isaiah, chapter 40, begins by predicting the ministry of a forerunner. Amazing! It's almost like the same mind is putting this all together. Ah, yes, the mind of God. The New Testament ends by referring to the new heavens and the new earth. And guess what? Isaiah ends his book by describing the same thing. Let's just take a look. Isaiah chapter 66. Let's begin at the back and we'll move around in the book tonight. Isaiah 66, notice verse 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. And in my Bible, I look down here, and our Bibles often will have cross-references, right? Uh, that correspond, and right in my Bible, guess what the cross-reference is? Revelation 21, verses 1 to 3. There, there it is. And so it is, Isaiah's prophecy is the Bible message in miniature. It's also noteworthy that the second section of Isaiah that describes the coming Messiah and his work, the middle of the section falls on, right in the middle, Isaiah 53. And we've memorized portions of that, right? Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of of us all. This passage gives us one of the clearest views of Calvary to be found anywhere in the Bible. Thus, at the very heart of Isaiah's evangelical message is the cross. It seems appropriate that Isaiah's name then means salvation is of Jehovah. We hear the expression today, you just can't make this stuff up. Well, in a positive way. You can't just make this stuff up. Remember, we said at the beginning that there were Bible critics who attacked Isaiah as not being valid and, and not one author and, and so on. Okay? Well, there's no way that human minds could engineer the structure of this prophecy. It had to be inspired by God. And of course it was God. So, the Bible message in miniature. Now let's look at the makeup of Isaiah's message. The makeup. We've already considered the fact that Isaiah's prophecy has two major divisions. Again, the explanation of God's judgment. That's chapters 1 to 39. And then secondly, the explanation of God's comfort. And that's chapters 40 to 66. But what is the comfort? Well, again, the comfort is, <coughs> excuse me, 
It's the work of Messiah. It's Messiah working in the hearts of sinners to draw them to himself and hearts turning to him, though God will use judgment uh, for that to happen. Now these divisions can be broken down into five major sections, keeping in mind that Isaiah's same themes are often repeated in the various sections. And so what I'm going to give you tonight on uh, the next slide is all the divisions. And they're going to be up there if you want to jot them down. Again, we want to make this available to you. But you can jot them down. I'm going to, uh, as I work through them, you're going to be able to see the whole picture there. Uh, and this is the makeup, the structure of Isaiah's message. The first section is the book's introduction, chapters 1 to 6. This happened early on in Isaiah's ministry. These chapters form the foundation of the book. They describe his vision, right? He's already been called. But remember in chapter 6, we see his recommissioning. That's what, what we described it in. And that really was a time of revival in, Elijah, or, uh, in Isaiah's uh, heart. And what encourages me about that is it was at the time that Uzziah died. There was a good ruler in Judah, good king, conservative, made good decisions, uh, things were on the upswing, the economy was better, sound familiar? And then he made some bad choices at the end, and really God snuffed out his life. And it's at that time that Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up, and the Lord's train filled the temple. The result of that was Isaiah getting close to God, seeing himself in light of who God is, seeing his, his sin, and then repenting, and God being able to uh, empower in a, in a new and unusual way Isaiah's life, and that propels the rest of his work, his ministry, until the Lord took him home. It's at that time, God begins to declare the many judgments against Judah's sin. God also continues to offer, every time he declares it, and this is consistent through Scripture, he also declares hope. Here's the sin, I will judge it, but if you will turn from it, just simply take me at my word, here's the hope, I'll forgive you, and I'll turn things around. And so the first section includes chapter 2 and verse 4. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. But here's the hope. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. And for those that were concerned about their nation and, and knew what was happening on the uh, global scene at that time, uh, the Assyrians were scary people. The Babylonians were scary people. And there were other powerful enemies out there that had powerful weapons. But here God offers hope. I'm going to draw the nations. And they'll not learn war anymore. That brings us to the second section. First section, again, uh, 
you have the book's introduction. Now you have the book of Emmanuel, chapters 7 to 12. All right? What time did this happen? This is in the middle part of Isaiah's ministry. The middle part of his ministry. By chapter 7, Isaiah was ministering to the third king in Judah. But Ahaz refused to receive uh, a sign from God. This is chapter 7. God's offering hope. He's saying, trust me, don't depend on alliances and political alliances to protect yourself. Depend on me. Ahaz decides not to do that. He's going to be political instead of prayerful, instead of trusting the Lord. And it's in that context, Isaiah 7 and verse 14, where the prediction about the virgin birth happens. And it's so exciting because man tries to plan and maneuver and, and he's going to work out his own way. And right in the middle of that, we have the answer. Of a virgin, the Messiah would be born and he's going to do a mighty work to bring salvation. Although Ahaz had put his trust in the Assyrian king, chapter 10 predicts an Assyrian invasion of the land. Yet once again, God offers his people future hope. The sovereign God of Israel would direct the Assyrian invader just as a carpenter uses axe and saw. Go to chapter 10 of Isaiah. I think that this is so interesting in this prophecy, <coughs> Isaiah chapter 10, notice verse 7. Howbeit he meaneth not so, neither doth his heart think so, but it is the heart to destroy and cut off nations, not a few. For he saith, Are my princes altogether kings? Is not Kalo of Chemeresh? Uh, is not Hamath of Ardad, uh, is not Samaria as Damascus? As my hand hath found the kingdoms of the idols, and those graven images did excel them in Jerusalem and Samaria, so or shall I not, as I have done unto Samaria and her idols, so do to Jerusalem and her idols. Wherefore shall come to pass, that when the Lord hath performed the whole work upon Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, I will punish the fruit of the stout heart of the king of Assyria and the glory of his high looks. And then as you read on there, he talks about how as a carpenter, he's going to direct uh, and, and move and winnow and, and work with his hands to bring about judgment. And, and it makes me think again, the prediction about Messiah when he came. What was he? A carpenter. And just as he was a carpenter, figuratively, he, with his hands, he accomplished the work uh, that he was going to do there. Uh, and so the book of Emmanuel references to the virgin birth. And then in chapter 11, again, a reference to the coming of the rod of Jesse. Another messianic promise that pointed to deliverance from enemies but primarily ultimate deliverance from the sins that caused Israel's national woes in the first place. 
This section concludes with a song of thanksgiving. Uh, and it, it really is a, is a quote going all the way back to Miriam's song of deliverance back in Exodus 15 and, and verse 2. So you can look at Isaiah 12 and verse 2 and you can see that parallel there. Section 3. The third section, the book of indictment against God's enemies. This is chapters 13 to 35. A word that is common in this section is the word burdens. The burden of the Lord against, and then a nation is named. The word burden, again referring to Gentile nations. The Hebrew word has reference to a prophetic declaration from the Hebrew word meaning to put forth with the voice. Many times as, as we preach, all right, in fact, most times you're going to hear from our pastoral staff, from myself, that, that as we preach, it sounds like we have a burden. All right, well, part of that is putting forth with the voice a message from the Lord. But because of the urgency of it, and in this case, the swiftness, the devastation caused by judgment that God's bringing, these predictions are also waiting. They're mournful prophecies. And I'm burdened tonight for my country. I'm burdened for the church. Uh, these are heavy, weighty matters. God has spoken. And in this section, the Lord is speaking against Israel's Gentile enemies. And it's very specific. Uh, I wish we had time tonight to just talk about what God says about Babylon. Things that the Lord said that, that uh, did come to pass. And of course, in this section, you also have uh, where Hezekiah uh, is, is willing to, uh, after the Lord heals him, uh, this is where Hezekiah uh, talks to the emissaries from Babylon and shows them the wealth of, of his kingdom. And, um, and what God predicted uh, would happen, did happen. This is also where God is specific in his judgment. Uh, what he says will happen to Assyria, Philistia, Moab, Damascus, Ethiopia, and uh, ten, ten nations that I mentioned. Then section four. This is the, this the, this is the book, uh, the book of invasion. Right? Chapters 36 to 39. Now this is the last part of Isaiah's life. And as you think about Isaiah's life, there were good times, there were bad times. Um, the death of Uzziah and then, then uh, of course, Hezekiah. But towards the end of his life, these historical chapters tell about the Assyrian invasion of Judah by Sennacherib. Uh, you'll remember that an army ended up outside the walls of Jerusalem, the uh, commander, the government leader, it, uh, says to the people on the walls of Jerusalem, don't listen to your king. Uh, we've defeated other nations and their gods were no help to them. Don't listen to Hezekiah. Uh, your God's not going to help you either. And uh, 
again, twice the prophet Isaiah delivers news of deliverance to the king, and God's word stands. And that's where Sennacherib's army is literally in one night wiped out. And he'll go back to uh, Assyria, and, uh, and as he's worshiping in the temple to his gods, his gods can't protect him from his own sons. They come in and they murder dad. Again, what a testimony, but that's the book of, inv uh, the book of uh, Invasion, 36 to 39. Right after that, Isaiah delivers the message of deliverance, chapter uh, 37, and he's required to then deliver a message of death in chapter 38. He tells King Hezekiah, you're going to die. And Hezekiah doesn't like the news. Instead of putting things in order and going to meet his God, he complains, he, he pouts a little bit, he wants to live longer. And uh, God lengthens his life. However, it's during that time then, chapter 39, that he unwisely uh, shows, again, the, um, the emissaries from Babylon the wealth of his kingdom. So section four, section five, and this is where we're going to close tonight. This is the blessings of Emmanuel. This is the end of Isaiah's life. And from what we know, what we believe happened to Isaiah, this was at the end of his life where things really become critical. And at this point, the nation is turning against the prophet. His prophecies are from God, but they're... they're angry with the messenger. And we wonder at this point, does Isaiah realize that his life is probably short, that his life is going to be taken because of, of the anger and the opposition that now he is, is facing. And yet in Isaiah 40, in verse 1, we get the tone for the rest of the prophecy. The Lord says, Isaiah 40, verse 1, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Though judgment and captivity in Babylon were assured because of Judah's sin, and in part because of now Hezekiah's own uh, lack of discernment, God would use a Persian king by the name of Cyrus to shepherd his people back to the land. Go with me to Isaiah 44. And this is a considerable amount of time before Cyrus is even born. The Persians, uh, that empire is really young. In a while, you know, later they're going to conquer Babylon. Uh, but notice that the Lord is already looking down the road and through Isaiah talks about what he's going to do. Isaiah 44 and verse 28. The saith of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure. Even saying to Jerusalem, thou shalt be what? Built? And to the temple, thy foundation shall be laid. What's amazing about Isaiah is he's predicting Babylon is going to come in and destroy all of this. 
and yet God already has another Gentile king. He's going to come in. What's he going to do? He's going to order that it all be rebuilt. In fact, that is going to be, it's expressed in terms of he's going to shepherd Israel back here. So after 70 years of captivity, God's going to use a Gentile king to shepherd the Jews back to the land of promise so that God's plan will continue there. Chapter 45 continues, verse 1, Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus. Wow. Whose right hand I have holden to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. Now, during this time, these prophecies, again, Isaiah will mention the suffering servant who will be sent to earth uh, through his people Israel, that's chapters 49 to 53, for the redemption and blessing of his people, chapters four, uh, 54 and 55. So as the book of Isaiah closes, the prophet again reminds Judah of her sin, God's desire to bless her if she would but turn back to him. Isaiah 56 to 59. Though judgment would be needed to make Israel a nation of believing witnesses. Remember, that's the theme of the book. Though judgment would be needed, God's plan would move forward. And in the end, Isaiah prays for his beloved nation and confesses the sins of the people. If you want a passage in this prophecy that will just help you see the heart of this godly man, it's Isaiah 63, 7 through 64, 12. You can, you can look at that. Just look at, at chapters 63 and 64. God answers Isaiah's prayer there with the assurance that sin must be punished, but his kingdom awaits those who are... This is, again, chapter 66, and we'll go back there and close tonight. But God will do this work through people who are, Isaiah 66, verse 2, those who are, look at the end of the verse, verse 2, poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. Go down to verse 5. Hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his word, your brethren that hated you, that cast you out of my name's sake, for my name's sake, said, let the Lord be glorified, but he shall appear to your joy, and they shall be ashamed. And so the Lord here predicts those who escape God's wrath by faith will be sent then to bring the nation to declare to the rest of the world that God alone saves. And again, I want to close tonight by just looking at really the verse that gives to us the theme of Isaiah, chapter 66, verse 19. 
And I will set a sign among them, and I will send those that escape of them unto the nations, to Tarshish, Pul, Lud, that draw the bow to Tubal, Javan, to the islands far off, that have not heard my fame, neither have seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. What a prophecy. I hope tonight that this will encourage you that even though others in the past who have declared the word of the Lord, prophets like Isaiah, saw their nation like this. Low points, high points, blessing, judgment. Yet God has given us a prophecy where we see God's going to bring the nation back. God's going to turn the nation to himself. And that nation will become a nation of witnesses for the Lord. And so he's in control. He's in control of America. In spite of what we see and, and even events today in our nation's capital. And yet the God who orchestrated everything through Isaiah's time is working now in these last days. And you and I are part of the plan. We just need to be faithful to declare his word as, as well. His word will stand. It will be fulfilled. His word is what people need to hear, whether they'll accept it or not. But we're given the assurance that in these days, there will be some who will accept. They will believe. They will be saved. The rest of your, uh, the outline you receive, the handout you receive, is an outline of Isaiah's prophecy. And uh, I think it's just a very uh, simple outline that you're going to be able to, to pick up. And, and as you study the book later, if you're reading through the Bible this year, you'll have the opportunity uh, to, to be able to look at that outline and then go through the whole prophecy again. Let it challenge and encourage your heart. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Isaiah's prophecy. Lord, this has really been a survey of the book because there's so much here, but Lord, we, we just rejoice. It, it, it's like a commentary set on the whole Bible. And certainly as we study our Bibles, Lord, even as I was reading in my devotions today, uh, in Matthew's Gospel, how many times Matthew quotes Isaiah the prophet. Thank you for your word to us. Now, Lord, help us to take heart in these days. Help us to remember that you decided in the history of civilization to have our souls on this planet right now. Uh, Lord, there may have been better days, and we want to look back to good old days. But Lord, these are the days that you've placed us here to serve you. And so Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to walk with you. Lord, may your word change us. And Lord, again, we pray that even this weekend as we come back together, as your word is given through the drama and in music, uh, that, Lord, many would tune in, even that we'd have others 
uh, come and visit here who will be challenged with the gospel. Lord, we pray that you'll save souls. We ask that you'd help us to start this year being able to see you work, souls one. And uh, Lord, we, we just commit ourselves, these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.